Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It seems like this has been a long time for Jacob, but at least he's doing it. At least he's coming back. At least he's doing that. If it's been a while since you've had just really some good intimate time between you and the Lord, don't disqualify yourself thinking like, well, he doesn't want to hear from me because it's been so long. That's not true. That's not true. I'm sure God was just waiting for Jacob to come to him and say like, hey, what? Jacob, what's happened, buddy? What? I haven't left you. I haven't gone anywhere. Jesus is always ready to hear from you. If you feel that you've strayed too far or done something too wrong, know that you're incorrect in that. Nothing will stop Jesus from loving you or wanting a relationship with you. Pastor James teaches you today that there's no reason to avoid Jesus. He already died for your sins of the past and your sins of the future so that you could confidently come to him anytime that you wanted. Let nothing hold you back. If you long for the Father, go to him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 45 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. Let us get the gospel out there. Um, to the uttermost parts of the world for sure. But that will be a sweet moment in history when Jesus can stand just like Joseph in front of his brothers, so to speak, and say, hey, guys, it's me. It's me. And the revival that will break out. You read Revelation. You know the stories where you're going to have all the, I mean, it's going to be insane. And it's going to be the coolest thing in the world. And I, we stand on the point where we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, because those will be the best seats. Um, as you watch all the stuff happen in the end times, it'll be like, well, this is so cool. This is amazing. I don't know how it all works, but um, it's going to be the sweetest thing in the world. It's going to be awesome, okay? But we get this little picture here with Joseph and his brothers. But he proclaims forgiveness over these guys. He's kissing them. He's embracing these guys. And they are finally opening up to him. And, and now they feel like they can talk to him. They're like, okay, we don't think he's going to kill us. Um, we, it is Joseph. It is our brother. And they freely talked with him. Now we're going to get Pharaoh kind of comes into the picture here as he understands and, and word gets back to him that Joseph's brothers are there. Uh, it says, the news reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were delighted to hear this. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this is what you must do. Load your pack animals and hurry back to the land of Canaan. Then get your father and all your families and return here to me, and I will give you the very best land in Egypt, and you will eat from the best that the land produces. This is Pharaoh, the ruler of the world at, the point, at this point in time. He's like, oh, man, I got this great idea. I got this great idea. Hey, go get your family. Bring them back here. You guys can live here. We'll give you the best land. This is Pharaoh, and it's just kind of like, we don't know if Joseph had talked to him it maybe kind of planted these seeds or not. We have no idea. What we're going off of is that the, probably the Lord maybe had kind of gave Pharaoh a little elbow of like, hey, um, you're going to take care of these guys. You're going to take care of these guys. And Pharaoh's like, sweet, Joseph's brothers are here. Bring all your family down. We'll give you Goshen. You can, you can live here. We'll take care of you. It'll be awesome. This is really kind of a cool thing. What's really cool about this, Joseph probably never mentioned to Pharaoh what his brothers did to him. 
Never mentioned to Pharaoh what his brothers, because Pharaoh's response, hearing about his brothers showing up, would have been totally different. This is my guy. Joseph's my guy. And you're the bums who sold him into slavery? Listen, I'm glad you did, because I got him, right? But you're horrible people. You're horrible people. And you're going to be punished for that. From what we know from the word, he, he never said any of that to Pharaoh. That's somebody who's walking in forgiveness. That is somebody who has learned to let something go and not let that root of bitterness consume him and then have an effect on those who he encounters. Because that's what it does to us, guys. When we hold on to unforgiveness, those roots of bitterness, they go down deep inside of us, and then they will overflow into other people, and it will affect how other people look at that person you're mad at. It's just how it works. Joseph let it all go. He was a man who was walking in freedom and in forgiveness, and that Pharaoh had no idea what his family did to him, has no clue. Maybe Pharaoh's wondering, like, Joseph, how'd you even get here? How did, how... Apparently, maybe he just never asked the questions. Maybe Potiphar never asked him the question. We don't know. Potiphar just bought him as a slave. But we know Pharaoh's like, oh, sweet, your family's here? Awesome. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send the the U-Haul trucks with your brothers and go get all your junk, go get all your stuff, and bring it back here, right? Because we're going to take care of you guys, because Joseph has saved our lives. Because your brother has saved our lives. Your brother has saved, as far as Pharaoh was concerned, Your brother has saved my kingdom, has saved my kingdom. Pharaoh, verse 19, says to Joseph, tell your brothers, take wagons from the land of Egypt to carry your your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings for the best of all, all of the land of Egypt is yours. I mean, they're like going all out for these guys, the chariots, the wagons, I mean, Take whatever you want to go get your family, and I, we, you don't need to walk from there to here. You're going to ride in style. You're going to ride in style. This is just so like, for me, it's just all these dings are going off in my brain of like how this works with Jesus. I mean, just, he's, even him, he's going to take care of like, go to, go to Jesus and trust in the Lord. And man, from getting from here to there, the Lord's going to take care of you. The Lord's going to take care of you. You don't have anything to worry about. But I still worry. I know. So do I. Why do we do that? I don't know. I don't know. But he's already sent the wagons. He's like, listen, man, I'm I'm building you a place. John chapter 14, I'm preparing you a place. I got stuff that's being stored up in heaven for you. You don't even know about. You don't even know about. I got you. From here to there, I got you. I got you through this journey. I'm going to take care of you. Pharaoh was like, he didn't even know what's going on. But he's like, listen, I'll take care of you guys from getting you from there to here, from that point where you're basically going to die up there, and down here means salvation. I'll take care of the whole journey. I'll take care of the whole journey. It's like, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's amazing that the Lord would do that. The Lord is, and the Lord's in control of this, and he's the one who's doing that. And what he did for Jacob and his family in preserving the nation of Israel, he's made it so personal to each and every one of us, where he's like, listen, I got your back. I got you on this journey. Why are you so worried? I don't know. I don't know. It's just what I do. I don't know. It's, can you help me with that, Lord? Yeah, I can help you with that. So... Verse 21, so the sons of Jacob did as they were told. 
that's an encouragement as well for the first time, maybe, in their lives. The sons of Jacob are like obedient. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's probably a miracle in and of itself. Um, they did as they were told. Joseph provided them with wagons as Pharaoh had commanded and gave them supplies for the journey. He gave each of them new clothes, but to Benjamin, he gave five changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. He also sent to his father 10 male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other supplies he would need on his journey. So Joseph sent his brothers off, and as they left, he called after them, don't quarrel about all of this along the way. Hey, no fighting. He knows his brothers. He knows his brothers. Hey, guys, no fighting. No, no, knock it off. No fighting. What's amazing is he gives Benjamin way more than he gives his other brothers, And you really don't see his brothers respond to that at all. And I was reading through John Corson's commentary on this. Uh, It could have been yesterday. I have no idea anymore. Um, And it may have been the day before that. I don't know. Uh, It's been a long weekend. But uh, I was reading through that, and he's like, he's like, isn't that the, the sweetest thing about heaven? When we get there, new heaven, new earth, this competition thing is done. This competition thing. You're like, what competition? There's competition within the church. There's competition between churches, okay, for sure. We know that. We, we, we know that. We know that. The other church is booming. It's growing and all that stuff. Well, why isn't it happening here, Lord, and all that stuff? Who cares? The church belongs to the Lord. He can do whatever he wants. It's his business, right? That goes even down to the individual. This person's getting blessed like crazy over here. And you're like, ah, oh, come on. Them? Really? Lord? Why? You just got three extra suits or five extra suits and 300 more than what I got. It's not your business. It's not your business. So what if the Lord is blessing so-and-so over there? So what? What's your response? To be to praise God. To be to praise God. Here we, we, Joseph, he hooks Benjamin up with a lot of extra stuff. And we don't have any recorded words from his brothers being like, are you kidding me? They don't say anything. They don't say anything. And it was just fascinating that, that John just kind of pointed out the fact. He's like, you know, in heaven, man, we, we're going to celebrate. And you're going to have a pile of stuff. I'll have a little pile of stuff, I'm sure. I don't know what it'll be. But I'm not going to be concerned about your stuff. And is it, oh, man, they, it's, they get like a mountain. They got a mountain over there of stuff. And that treasure stored up in heaven. That's not going to exist. What are we going to do? We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to worship Jesus. And anything that we have, treasures that are stored up and whatever crown, it all goes at his feet anyways. The competition is over. It's over. That's a, that's a really sweet thing. Send them out on their journey. Don't fight because maybe he just knows them well enough to where they would start fighting. Who knows? Maybe they're waiting to get away from Joseph, and then they're going to beat up Benjamin and steal his stuff. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past these guys. Um, Their characters, it's not really the best. But they make it home. It says, when they left Egypt and returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, verse 26, the message they tell dad. Can you imagine this moment? The first thing they tell dad, Joseph is still alive. Joseph's still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. Dad, you're not going to believe this, right? We found Joseph. Well, wait, Joseph found us. We thought we found, no, no, he found us, and he's in charge of everything. He's the boss. He's the man. Like, Dad, he's the man. Like, you're not going to believe it. 
And, and this, is concerning, this is concerning Jacob. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe him. Why should he? Why should he? I mean, he's been dealing with the death of his son Joseph for 20 plus years. He's been living in this false reality that his son was gone. And there was no hope of him ever coming back. And it's like, they, they are, you, you can imagine, I mean, they're just so excited. And like, we found Joseph, we found Joseph, and he's, he's in charge of all of Egypt. And Jacob's just like, I can't receive what you're saying. His heart's just callous. It's numb. And why should he believe these guys? I mean, this is, this is concerning his own sons. We already know, like, he played favorites. And he's had issues with his son. He hasn't been the best dad. He has not been the best dad at all. But when they come back with this news, he just he can't even receive it. He can't even, he can't even take it in. But they go on. Praise God, they go on. He couldn't believe it. Verse 27, when they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told him, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirit revived, and Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. So it all clicked for him, and he's like, okay, that makes sense. Somehow in his brain, this like communicates, and that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know what it was for him, but his spirit, I mean, he came back alive. He's ready to go to his grave. He's ready to cash in and be done with this life. And it hasn't worked out the way that he thought it was going to. God promised to make a nation out of him. He's already lost one son. He was on the verge of losing multiple sons because Simeon was in jail in, in Egypt. And, and there was a chance he was going to lose Benjamin. And that really, that would, for him, that would, that would equal meaning the two sons that he loved more than any of his other kids. He was just ready to be done with life. Just ready. It's not working out the way I planned it. This isn't going how I thought it was going to go. Um, so you know what? Just bring me more bad news so I can just lay down and die. It's kind of the state he was in. But when he heard the good news, he came alive. He came alive, and he had just enough, so to speak, to where he's like, let me get to Egypt so my son Joseph can close my eyes. So I can see my son Joseph one last time, basically. It's kind of what he's thinking, going to 46, because the story continues on. So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions, and he came to Beersheba. He offered sacrifices to, to the God of his father, Isaac. We don't have any recording of him doing this for quite a while. Jacob, what has happened? Man, it, it goes back into before Joseph was sold as a sold as a slave by his brothers. I mean, you don't have any, and I know the story, the spotlight has shifted to Joseph, but it's been a long time. As far as we know, from what we have recorded, it has probably been a very long time since Jacob has done this. And I love this. This is an encouragement for every single one of us. And I, it, Israel, that's, that's who he is. That's who he's acting like right now. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifice to the the God of his father, Isaac. Here's what he's going to do. Before he goes down to Egypt, he's like, you know what we should do? We should probably pray. We should probably talk to God about this. It's like, yeah, you probably should. Because his fear is, my grandfather went down to Egypt, and he came back with a problem on his hands. And her name was Hagar, right? And you get an Ishmael because of that. So he's thinking, like, should I go down to Egypt? Is this the Lord? 
For, it's incredible that he stops and he does this, and this should be an encouragement to every single one of us. Maybe it's been a while since you've stopped and said, you know what, Lord, can we talk? Can we talk? Hey, guess what? He's always ready to listen, always ready to listen, and he might even speak to you. He might even speak to you. You don't know. You open up this thing, and he will speak to you, <laughs> okay, because he has spoken. But Israel's like, Jacob, he's like, Let's, we got to stop. Verse 2, during the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. So God is now, he's speaking to Jacob. And this is, it seems like this is the first time this has happened in a long time as well. And God is going to speak to him. And in Israel, Jacob, Israel is just another name for Jacob, the one that God had given to him, says, here I am. Here I am. Let me encourage you. Go to him. Go to the Lord and say, hey, can we talk? And let him whisper to your heart saying, hey, let's talk. Here I am. Me otherwise means I'm, I'm present. I'm available. Lord, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. It seems like this has been a long time for Jacob, but at least he's doing it. At least he's coming back. At least he's doing that. If it's been a while since you've had just really some good intimate time between you and the Lord, don't disqualify yourself thinking like, well, he doesn't want to hear from me because it's been so long. That's not true. That's not true. I'm sure God was just waiting for Jacob to come to him and say like, hey, what, Jacob, what's happened, buddy? I haven't left you. I haven't gone anywhere. Come to me. Come to me. Let's talk. Let's hang out. He's a personal God. He wants, to, he wants to commune with us. He wants to be there with us. Sometimes it just takes us to stop and say, okay, hold on, man, I have been making all these decisions. Maybe I need to stop and ask God what he thinks I should do. Yeah, that's good. Do that. <laughs> do that. But here they're going to have this, this really sweet, intimate time. And, and just one last thing on this. Reread through the story. Uh, for Jacob, we, we have it recorded, man, I think it's like four to five times where God speaks to Jacob, okay? And that's pretty special. That's pretty significant. That's, that's an amazing thing. Read through Joseph's story. You don't have any recordings between Joseph. Not saying that God didn't speak to Joseph, but we don't have it recorded where, and God spoke to Joseph. We know God was speaking to Joseph, but just as an encouragement to you, you see, and, and even people recognize with Joseph, God is with this person. God is with this person. And then with Jacob, man, the Lord is speaking to him a handful of times, like having a real like conversation with him. You can't always base it on like, there's, I know there's some people who are like, man, the Lord really spoke to me and all this stuff. Here's what, here's what is the most important thing. He has spoken through his word. You can open this thing up and enjoy what he has said. And does he continue to speak to us? Yes, absolutely. What maybe we should focus in more on is the fact that he is with us. The Lord is with you. He says, I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And sometimes, man, we can get so caught up. I'm like, man, I'm not hearing from the Lord. I'm not hearing from the Lord. I understand that because there's been many times and moments in my life where I'm like, hey, God, where are you at? And his reply to me would be, I've never left you. I might be silent in your life right now, but I'm still with you. I've never left you. I haven't abandoned you. I'm still with you. Maybe I'm just being silent right now because maybe you need the silent treatment. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know how that works. But I know that sometimes that happens in our lives. And that happened a lot for the nation of Israel as well. There was towards the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there was many years, many years until John the Baptist showed up on the scene as a prophet. But unfortunately, during that time, you didn't, have a, you didn't hear a lot from Israel saying like, hey, God, are you going to speak to us again? Where's the Lord at? Jacob, I mean, he, the Lord spoke to him. I mean, they had a really it's a cool relationship that they had there. And it's amazing that Jacob's finally going to just say, all right, let's pray before we go, before we make this journey. Beersheba is an important place within his family's life as well. Uh, it's not the first time that an offering has been made here. Verse 3, God says, uh, or he's, the Lord is in response, I am God, the God of your father. The voice, the voice said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. See, there's that thing again. I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about it. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. You will see Joseph again. Your life will come to an end down there in Egypt, but don't worry about it because I'm going to deliver your family out of Egypt in his time. But he's going to allow this to be like an an incubator, so to speak, for the nation of Israel because they're going to grow like crazy grow like crazy. But God tells him, he's like, listen, Jacob, I know you're afraid, but I don't want you to worry about it. Because even though you will be in Egypt, and Egypt is always a picture of the world, you'll be in Egypt, but I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to be there with you. And in this land of Goshen, where they're going to be, it's like they're going to be kind of like protected in one sense, where they're in the world, but they're not of the world. It's an amazing thing that, that all this stuff just kind of just so happened to work out in their lives. Just so happened to work out in their lives. Verse 5, Jacob left Beersheba, and his sons took him to Egypt, and they carried him and their little ones and their wives with the wagons Pharaoh had provided for them. They also took all their livestock and all their personal belongings they had acquired in the land of Canaan. So Jacob and his entire family went to Egypt, sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, uh, or sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, all his descendants. And then I'm just going to read real quickly through a list of names because there's the names, and that's why we're going to finish this chapter, but there's a chunk of names. And so in case you want just a bunch of names, here you go. Um, and there is one cool kind of hidden nugget within this whole thing. But here's, here's his family. Uh, technically, you know, it's going to say there's 70 of them. I think Acts chapter 7 says there was uh, 74. Five, I believe. Um, we, we can talk about that later. But so here you go. You got the descendants of Israel, the sons of Jacob who went to Egypt. Reuben, that's the oldest. His sons were Hanok, uh, Pelu, Hezron, and Carmi. I'm going to mess up on these names. Don't even worry about it, okay? Just keep, just keep going. You got Simeon, uh, Jamuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, uh, she- Sheol. I don't know. Sheol's mother was a Canaanite woman. Levi had Gershon, Kohath, and Merai, or Merari, I don't know. The sons of Judah were Ur, Onan, Shila, strange name for a son, Perez, Zerah, and Ur and Onan had died in the land of Canaan. We remember that story. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hemuel. Sons of Issachar were Tola, Pua, uh, Jeshub, or uh, Yob, or here's the nugget. A lot of guys believe, and I would agree with them, that's Job. Genesis is the beginning of it all. Not just the Bible, but life as a whole. 
God detailed his creation story in the first few chapters of this book, and then went on to reveal his power and glory in the following pages. We learn who he is through this book, what's important to him, and how he expects us to follow him. We're so glad you tuned in today for Bread for the Broken to learn from Genesis, and we hope you'll return for our next edition. If you'd like to listen to other messages from this series, visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd also like to invite you to come meet us in person at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. to spend time worshiping God, reading verse by verse through the Bible, and getting to know each other better. When you visit, be sure to find Pastor James and shake his hand. Let him know that you heard him right here on Bread for the Broken. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask for your help. Would you partner with us in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry, and in a way, a mission field. We're reaching people for Jesus through a different kind of medium. And therefore, we need to make sure Jesus is our focus. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we'd all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for lifting us up in prayer before the Lord. Know that we too are praying for you each day. And thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' message on Bread for the Broken. We pray that you find hope and new life in Jesus.